Hi there, and welcome to the Homeschool Sisters podcast. I'm Kate, and I'm a homeschooling mom doing this homeschool thing right beside you. I don't have it all figured out, but one thing I know for sure is that homeschooling is a lot easier when you have a sister by your side. Join me and other down-to-earth members of the homeschool community as we share the reality of what this homeschooling journey is really like. Well, hey there, sisters. I am really excited to share this conversation with you. Our family discovered Dr. Robin's school several years ago. And if you love rabbit holes and your kids and teens are at all interested in human anatomy, it has been an absolute joy. I had Robin into Neverboard Learning last year, and I told her that I feel like she's a member of our household because I hear her voice all the time. And then my kids are always telling me, well, Dr. Robin told me this. And do you want to hear the story that Dr. Robin told me? And I'm really excited to share her with you. Dr. Robin Dickinson is a board-certified family physician with a decade in private practice. She homeschooled her two children from the beginning and conceived of Dr. Robin's school because of a lack of good quality science options. Dr. Robin lives at the foot of the Rocky Mountains in beautiful Colorado with her husband of over 20 years and two children. Her hope is that students will be inspired by the amazing complexity and beauty of the human body. Hi, Robin. Hey, so good to see you. It's so good to see you. I'm so excited. I was saying in the intro, I have had you into Nevermore Learning and everybody loved you and we love your resources. And so Thank I'm you. so excited now that we've started Sisters Back Up again to share you with the community because I think everybody's going to love you too. I saw in your reviews that people are very excited to have you back. So <laughs> I'm really honored that I get to be here. Thank you. Oh, it's so good to have you. So for people who don't know you, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your family and sure. then your business? Sure. So I'm Robin. I'm also a family physician, but I'm retired from that because I have two kids. And of course, they are more important than anything else in the whole world. And I shifted to teaching and what I do now in order to spend more time with my kiddos. So I have two kids. They're 10 and 14 now, which boggles my mind how fast that happens. Even as the last time we talked, our kids were a lot longer, I younger. And now they're I'm a, what, a tween and a teen officially, but they, I almost feel like they need me more now than mm -hmm. when they were little. Cause when they were little, like whenever I was available, they were available. And now they have these complicated lives. And if I'm not available when they're available, I'm not going to see them. My son dances ballet. He actually, I don't know if I told you this, he just got accepted into the pre-professional program at our- Congratulations. Yeah. So that's really exciting. So he's on 14 on a career path at this point and ballet takes most of his time. And then my, my dad, no worries. My daughter's in BSA scouts and just joined a high adventure troop. So they do, and it sounds like you have a scout in your family. So yes, we have two, actually yeah. three, but three. two oh, heavily involved. Yeah. yeah. So it's canoeing and camping and hiking and all the things. So they keep me busy taking them places and I sit there and knit and tell them how great they are. And that's my job. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And I have a husband too. That's where the kids came from. And we have a dog, we have cats. And then what I do that gets me to be your friend now is Dr. Robin's school. So when I was a kid and even to this day, there's not a lot of great resources about the human biology and when I was trying to teach my own kids, 
they're just, I couldn't find things that I liked for a lot of science, actually. It was really frustrating because my kids wanted real science. And so much of it is either like toy science or it's like barely scrapes the surface or it's kind of build this paper mache model of a volcano and pour in some vinegar and baking soda and isn't that cool? But that doesn't explain anything about it. And so in hunting for good resources, I ended up creating one. <laughs> so that's where that came from was just seeing that need. And my sister had the idea because she was trained as a teacher. And so she was like, oh, you could teach that. And I was like, no, I, no, I can't. Oh yeah, you can. That's oh, I don't think I, I knew that. That's really yeah. fun. I love when somebody gives you ideas because my behind the scenes person is Shauna Winkert and she gives me my best idea. So I always am letting people know, actually, that was Shauna's idea. <laughs> she might be carrying it out, but she suggested it. Yeah, no, it's nope, not right now. Not right now, because I'm on a podcast and I said we weren't going to interrupt it. Could you close the door, please? I almost said this before, but I was like, I'm going to jinx it. It's always the 15 year olds. Eternally, <laughs> it's always the oldest one that interrupts my podcast, even though, and then he plays, oh, I didn't know. <laughs> didn't I just say it was the teenagers who are the need, much more needy than the little people? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so often, too. Yeah. So now he threw me totally off track. And you homeschooled. So yes. you have experience looking at curriculum and I imagine as a physician, knowing so much about the sciences that you can really pinpoint what's high quality and what's not. Yeah. So we, we really homeschooled from the start, both of our kids. And it wasn't something like I went to public school all the way through and it wasn't something that I was like, oh, we have to homeschool when I married my husband. But when I was in residency, we started reading about educational theory because he took a lot of psychology classes in college. And I just went down this like path of learning more and more about education being like, oh, I think we're going to have to homeschool our kids. And my husband was totally on board with it. And so that's what we ended up doing from the very beginning. And yeah, now looking at different curriculum, there's some really good things out there. And then there's also stuff where I'm like, this isn't teaching anyone anything, or this is just making science look boring and overwhelming and scary. And that's not helping anybody to think that science is boring and overwhelming and scary. I may have said this in our conversation in Neverboard Learning, but I remember growing up, I didn't think I liked science. And it's my favorite subject in homeschool now, probably if I had to choose one, which is hard to choose, but I feel like so much of it was either vocabulary and mm -hmm. like the, just drilling the vocabulary. And if you're a reader, you pick, you don't need to spend so much time on that. <laughs> or it was the same experiments over and uh -huh. over. So like that baking soda, how uh -huh. many times did we make the volcano and how many times did we do the bean seeds? I was in literally the just thinking the bean seeds in the sandwich bag. Like, and I was like, always don't they communicate with each other? We've already done this. And yeah. then I started homeschooling and I was like, this is so fun. Yeah. All of it. So yeah. And realizing really how many things are actually science. Okay. You can do a bean seed in a plastic bag and put it in your cupboard, but also actually having a garden is science too. And it's probably even more educational than that little sandwich bag. In the, but realizing that science is everywhere. And I think that's one of the things that caused us to homeschool was the more I learned about it, the more I was like, oh, the whole world can be educational. We can create not just here is school and here is life, but it's more of life is like an educational situation if you create it that way, if you let it be that way.
And I think that's so hard initially when you start homeschooling, especially oh, yeah. if you didn't expect to homeschool, which we didn't to extract that education from the school building and you don't yep. need a certain space and education doesn't happen from eight to three that's and true. all the subjects aren't separate. Like you yes. can leave every subject into just about any topic that you're interested in. So I love that. I remember when we were talking in Neverboard Learning, you were mentioning the flowers and how you <laughs> got really into genetics because- yep. You saw sunflowers with your family that were super, super tall. So then you started your own experimentation with yep. various flowers. And it's just so neat. If you let a kid go with an interest like that, what you ended up learning that you still remember today. And that was, you were how old when you first started? Yeah, no, I was elementary school. The funny thing is I didn't know it was science. I had no idea. I did not connect that to the science we were learning in school until I was in high school and learned about Mendelian genetics. And I was like, oh. I did that already. Whoa. <laughs> and that's when I was like, science actually became a thing. And like, we could have done that all the way back in elementary school too. That would have been really fun. We don't. And kids are perfectly yeah. capable of learning. We do. You and I do. Lots of people yes. do. But society as a whole, I think, doesn't think kids can understand science because science has all those big words and it's really confusing. And so we can't let kids do that because it's too much. Though I am noticing more and more like, robotics and coding for which a lot of it my, my brother is just finished up an electrical engineering degree and he says that is cool and all but like what they're doing is completely different from that and I was like what do you mean and he's he said it's like actually he's compared the baking soda experiment he's like the baking soda and vinegar experiment for chemists is just kind of like this little demonstration that you do over and over and like it's nice oh, and all but like when you're actually a chemist you're like figuring out new stuff and that's mm -hmm. really what science is when you're experimenting and you're trying to create things and think in all those other ways and when the coding that the kids are doing is cool but like what you have to do when you're really a scientist or really an engineer is you have to be thinking about things in this whole complex way. And he really had some strong opinions about being able to think in a more like complex, creative way about things yeah. that where pe teach people how to think, I guess, is what he was saying, rather than just teach them to do the thing. Love that you brought up creativity because I think that's so much. I think it's something I just had a conversation that I'm trying to think of when episodes are coming out. So it will have already aired with <laughs> Vanessa Wright. And she was talking about the value of mothers in midlife and always staying in tap with their creativity, whichever oh, yeah. way they do it just to keep themselves fulfilled, but also for their kids to see their mother as someone beyond a mother that has interests and in learning and yeah. all of that. And there's just so much research with creativity mm -hmm. and learning and being able, we were talking about how, what we do now, like a podcast or even zoom or a blog or a community, none of that existed when no. we were applying to college and Things are moving at such a quick pace that who even knows what it's going to be like for our kids. So it's really important to be able to be creative with whatever it is that you're interested in. And how do you do that? It's giving them the space at home to do that without telling them what they have to do. Yeah. Let them explore and say, here's this thing, but what can you figure out? What do you, what do you curious about what do you want to try because that's when they're really going to be able to think for themselves and like you said this stuff didn't exist my job didn't exist your job didn't exist i read a thing the other day that people graduating from college now on average have five different careers that and two or three of them don't exist yet 
That's so cool. And I was like, I can see that because I'm on minimum career two, depending on how you count it, at least two. And this one sure didn't exist. And most people I know have jobs that didn't exist 20 years ago. It's wild to think about too, because I feel like a generation before the the right thing to do was to stay with the same uh-huh. career for you had the same job until you retire at 65 or whenever. So it's interesting to see how many, how you can change and mm-hmm. evolve as time goes on that you don't have to stay stuck in one thing. And it's hard, I think, for my mom for the longest time kept asking me when I was going to get a real job. And that was back when I owned a medical practice. (laughs) But because I was working like as a solo doctor with no staff doing my own thing, it didn't seem like a real job to her because there was no 401k, there was no paid vacation, there was no boss telling me what to do. And nowadays more, our kids are probably not going to have a real job by my mom's definition that those don't exist. Being able to go into the world and make their own space in it is going to be so much more important. Definitely. And especially for our unique learners who, you know, if you have a kid that can't sit behind a desk or isn't very, is not, nobody I think is meant to be sitting at a desk all day, but some of us are better at it than others. And you know, how great that you can blaze a path that doesn't involve that if it's not for you. There's so many choices now where people can say, this is what I'm good at. And so I'm going to follow that and make it into something that's going to make the world a better place. I love that. So what did science look like in your homeschool? So it depends on the year and the kid. My daughter loves chemistry. And so with her in public school the last two years, but coming back to homeschool, we did a lot of chemistry. And then my son is just eh, chemistry. And he's more into the engineering and physics and things like that. So we've done a lot more of that with him. And now with her coming back, I'm like, okay, I have to be all ready to chemistry again because she's going to want to. And she also is really excited to do gardening. So I'm like gearing up for more, more gardening. Science for us really is, we're talking about really hands-on and how can we work it into our life? For a long time, I avoided doing science with my kids because it was a lot of, it seemed like a lot of work, I guess. And it really is because it involves like stuff. I have to- Totally fine. Sorry, my allergies are fine and then they're not. (laughs) Yeah, I'm the same. And of course, like we we were on a plane last week and I started getting like the allergy Uh tickle. And I was like, no. Not here. People (laughs) are gonna- I've been coughing all day. Sorry about that. Oh, you're fine. Ah, science in our homeschool. So it's, I avoided doing science in our homeschool for a long time because it has so much stuff and it's messy and there's cleanup. And then also just all the thoughts of what science was like in school and in college. And it felt scary and overwhelming and like this big project. And what I started to figure out and now is how we do things is I just leave science sitting out. There's no cleaning up involved unless it's like something really gross. But otherwise, if there's something my kids are interested in, it has to stay set up or we're not going to do it. And so I was mentioning we made some space in the laundry room for my son. He has a whole long table in there with all of his stuff for building models he has like catapults and engines and different things with like gears and stuff Mm -hmm. that just stays up out all the time rather than have to put that away and my kids have been really interested in looking at the stars because my uncle came around and he brought his telescope because he's been a lifelong total nut for the stars and he showed us the rings of saturn which was super cool like they're real they actually you can see them which you see them but like we saw them it was really cool so For Christmas, I got my kids a telescope and 
we had it like in a bag ready to take outside never used it and so i was like okay we're just gonna have to leave this set up by the door all mm -hmm. the time and i'll just be like oh it's dark and there are stars let's go get out the telescope because that's what i can handle is lack of planning <laughs> so yes i appreciate that you say that because i feel like someone might that with a like being a doctor that you have everything laid out. Because, oh, no. But I appreciate you saying that because I think so many of us don't really plan ahead. It's on the flyer what someone's interested in. I wasn't going to ask you this and I, it, I'm just thinking of it as we're talking. And if you need a minute to think, totally you're talking about. I was just thinking about kids' interests in science and how there's so many different sciences. And I'm wondering what you think about uh, I don't even know what I'm trying to ask. Do, do they have to do every science uh, while they're homeschooling? If they're really into like earth science and being outside and nature and all of that, is it okay to just carry that on until it runs out? Or should you be squeezing in biology and chemistry and physics? There's so many different parts that one thing that's interesting, like when we talk about teaching math, there's actually a really limited amount of stuff you have to know to do math and you just do it sequentially or you do it in a spiral method and then you're like done. Mm -hmm. And some people go on in it. I have a brother who loves calculus and he's like calculus five or something. He's beyond calculus and I'm like, go you. But for the rest of us, we hit an end and then we stop. And science doesn't really have a set group of stuff. It's like unlimited because it's everything around us. And so it's literally impossible to do all of it. And so thinking we have to, I think makes us, makes it, a, it gives us this impossible task. And another thing is that different places, people value different sciences. So like my high school, you only learned earth science, which at my school was like rocks and geology and weather, if you were not going to college. So that was yeah, like, why is that? That was like the dumb kids class. Why was that makes that? no sense. Cause like, no. my, I, I have a really good friend who lives a couple doors down, who works for the U.S. Geological Survey. She loves rocks. Like I know any gifts that she gives me are going to be rocks. And because <laughs> that's her thing is rocks. Mm -hmm. And, and it's, it's fascinating. And I didn't learn anything about it until she came along and I've learned so much because all the, just like all my conversations have all this human biology stuff mixed in. Cause that's what I love. All of her conversations have rocks mixed in. and. Mm -hmm know is there a reason that smart kids do chemistry and dumb kids like that makes no sense at all but why was that kind of the myth that I was taught at my school when really it's all connected you know I always tell my kids and any other person who listen to me is if you go big enough then you get to the universe and space and weather and then you get a little bit smaller you have physics goes up to that and then comes back down a little bit and then you have biology in the middle you get small enough from biology you get chemistry and like chemistry is what we need in order to do biology and biology is what's living in the physics and it's all intermixed in there mm -hmm. so there's no one thing i do think everyone needs the useful information like how to know something about weather since we all live in the weather we all need to know where our food comes from and i think it's really nice for people to understand the world they exist in so mm -hmm. that you can go on a walk and know what's there around you what are those plants and i think everyone needs to understand how their body works because they're going to be stuck you get one body for life which my kids are always saying this is not fair my daughter right now is really into the tooth she's like why do i have all my teeth now I should get a new set when I'm like 18 or 20 or something. I can't be responsible for my teeth. And I'm like, no, you can't actually. And like, why do we give children teeth that they have to take care of for the rest of their lives? My 97 year old mm -hmm. grandma has the same teeth that she had when she was my daughter's age. We get one body that we're supposed to take care mm -hmm. of. How is that a good idea? But here we are. Yes. <laughs> 
It's so, so true. Oh man. And then you had braces on them and that's a whole uh, other layer. Of that That's the thing. She today. just got brace, braces. Yeah. I have two kids in braces. So every night it's, let me check your teeth and you have to go back and redo it. Let me put on your bands. <laughs> so. yep. Do you have your elastics in? Uh-huh. And then the, yes. Let me see them. Actually, no. <laughs> uh-huh. Yep. I thought I did. What was I just going to say? Oh, with regard to the earth oh. science being the lower level class, yeah. I, we were talking about this in Neverboard Learning recently. We were having a conversation with like newer homeschool parents with little ones and how in first grade, you're supposed to learn this right. and in second grade, you're supposed to learn this and where there is a space for public school, public school is important and right. we need it, but the reason why that happened was just pretty arbitrary. Just imagine some guys in a room being like, okay, this will be the standard for this. You don't, if your kids are really interested in World War II and they're in fourth grade, let them have at it because then later on, if it comes up again, they're going to remember that more. But And as adults, we don't all need to know everything. Like Hmm. some people are super into one thing and some people super into another thing. Why we don't, it's good for us all to know the other stuff exists and have some general fund of knowledge, but there's no reason we all need to know all of it or in depth of any of it. It's, and really, honestly, truly, how much do I remember? My geography is terrible because my, my last time I learned geography, I was pretty young, <laughs> like mm-hmm. maybe 10. And we didn't really, I didn't have geography in middle school or high school, really. And I definitely did no geography in college. So, and why is that? Because why is you that? you need to know where things are Me in too. the world, but we really, I had the same experience. It was an elementary school thing. You're doing states and capitals uh-huh, and yep, these are yep, the continents. Yep, yep. I'm actually having a ton of fun. We're creating like unit studies each month and never uh-huh. more learning and we're doing geography. Oh, that's and awesome. I am loving it. So I was like, I have not, some of these countries didn't even exist probably oh. when I learned, felt less learned no, about them. Definitely you know I mean? not. When <laughs> I last learned geography, the USSR was a thing. Yes. And, you know, I remember the fall of the Berlin Wall, but I think I actually learned geography before the Berlin Wall came down. I do too. So <laughs> things have changed just a bit, but my kids actually, there's a, an app, a game that's stack the, stack, actually they oh. back the states and stack the countries. And so they both know all the stuff that I don't know. And so then I ended up getting them like a puzzle that was all the different countries cut in the shape of the countries and the states cut in the shape of the states so they can put those together. And so... This next year, since I'll be homeschooling both of them again, we're going to be doing, I think we're going to do probably the Eastern Hemisphere. aren't even correctly depicting how large it is. No. Most of them. Yeah. No, it's, it's just, like it's way bananas. bigger than we think that it is. Yeah. It's fascinating. Back to science. Yes. Science. <laughs> Everything but again, is connected. It all, it's all connected. It all goes together. So what would you say to parents who are homeschooling and didn't have a good science experience, maybe don't have a strong science background and are completely intimidated by it? I know I hear a lot. Well, what about labs? Like, how am uh-huh. I going to do labs is a question that I'm asked all the time when people I mean, are in like that panic mode. <laughs> I always think about labs too, because they're the part that are feel messy and you have to get stuff and you have to, I think starting with remembering that life is science. If you can cook, which most people do feed their families on a fairly regular basis, that's science. And starting with just, Hey, today's science is going to be weights and measures. So let's make fudge or something's and reminding yourself like that science too, but then also finding good resources that are gonna make it easier for you. There's, I honestly don't use anything that's not open and go person like 
great that there's people out there who actually have it in them to plan. That's wonderful for them. And I just, I can't do it. I just, it's too much. So I've made sure to always find things where I can just open it and start. And whether that's chemistry for my daughter, I honestly used my own curriculum for my son last year because, or then up till like very recently when he was like, mom, can I like be done for this year? Actually, I was like, fine, whatever. Cause I was just like, I can't do this right now. It's just, we had, we we're coming out of COVID still. We had a lot of stuff going on with my family and some health things and some older relatives. And I was like, I just can't do science right now. I feel so guilty. And then a friend of mine was like, so don't you have science curriculum? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. She said, has your son done it yet? And I was like, no. Does he know anything about the human body? And I was like, something. And so I had him, I printed the worksheets, put them down in front of him, made them watch the videos, fill out the worksheets, which I'm not usually a worksheet person, but for my son, he sometimes won't do what he's supposed to be doing, which is the thing that I like least about homeschooling is that cognitive, yes. cognitive load of paying attention and making sure that they're doing it. I'm like math. I know if he's doing it, Reading, right. I pretty, he loves reading. He's going to do that. If he's writing something, he wrote it. So I know he did it, but I didn't have any way of knowing if he was actually watching it unless I sat down and talked with him about it. And I was like, I can't handle this right now. Fill out a worksheet, kiddo. And he's at that age too, where they start to tell you like the, oh yeah, sure. I did that. Yeah, and sure. You dig a little deeper and you're like, wait a second. I just, we had a really busy week before leaving for vacation. So I wasn't checking my youngest loves math. So I'm not really worried about math, but instead of doing his Beast Academy, he was doing other things. Cause I actually got it. I got some sort of note from Beast Academy and I happened oh, no. to log in and it was like one minute on Monday. And two <laughs> minutes. I was like, this is not uh-huh. doing math. Yeah. So, I, yeah. I like the online set that we do is teaching textbooks. I personally would mm-hmm. love Beast Academy and I really wished one of my kids would like it, but they're both teaching textbooks kids. But I like that I can just log in and be like, oh, yeah. here's the dates that you did everything and you didn't do anything. Cool. <laughs> Thanks for that. And you told me that you did. Yeah. That <laughs> cognitive load. I appreciate that statement too, because oh. it's like you have all this other stuff and I'm just like, can I trust you that you're actually, or do you need last year when they were all homeschooling, we had so many sneaky things happening on devices that I had to sit them in front of me like uh-huh. they were in a classroom <laughs> and they were all mad at me but I was like if you stop fooling around then I will trust you and not have to but my the kids direct actually- day was just dragging on because nobody was doing what they were supposed to be doing my kids actually set up a mirror behind them because I kept making them sit where I could watch them and they didn't like that and so they actually rigged a mirror to hang on the wall so I could glance over and see what they were doing so that they'd have the freedom to sit where they wanted to but then oh, I, I could like see that. what they were doing my youngest, it's a little easier because he wears glasses. So most of the time I, I can see, and I'm like, I know that you're, he's obsessed with scratch, which is fine. Uh, yep. But like, do my, it my after you've done your other stuff. I'm like, that is scratch. I see it in your <laughs> I can see it. Yeah. And it's always hard that balance. Like I want to encourage my kids to follow their interests and so forth. And at the same time, their frontal lobe isn't quite developed enough to make good choices about what they're going to need as they get older. So mm-hmm. even if my son absolutely hates writing he's gonna have to be able to communicate with people when he gets bigger and so I have to make sure he like knows how to do that yeah is he a reluctant writer very reluctant that's writer. my youngest that's my youngest he'll figure out he's really good at math and has yep. great ideas but we'll figure out mathematically the fewest letters required <laughs> for any assignment he's been doing it forever but now that he's he'll be in seventh grade next year it's actually easier because I just said buddy and if you consider going to school like your sister did at any point 
everything's writing there yeah. and nobody's <laughs> going to be like, okay, that's fine that you don't uh-huh. do that. You're going to need to do it. So he's buckling down and he doesn't like it, that's but nice. he's, he's done more writing this year than any year previously with less belly aching, knock on wood, probably <laughs> tomorrow. He'll be like, bye. And knowing that like, we all have parts of our jobs we don't like mm-hmm. and we all have to figure out a way to get through those and know how to do those. I said, it's like laundry writing is, (laughs) Oh, it's just something you need to do. And a lot of it you can do on a screen if that's easier for you, but also like checks and grocery lists and signing all the forms and all of the government tax. I'll just, I used to be like, I am writing. (laughs) Here I am. I'm writing this. Someone's just sending information to people or asking for things. That's one of the things I like to show my kids a lot is, hey, I wrote this email because I was interested in this thing. And look, good things happened because I did this. Aren't you glad that I did that? Because that's writing in real life is getting things we want sometimes. Exactly. So I love that you used your own program with your son. And I love that you didn't think to do it. You know, because it's never occurred to me. Simplest things we often don't even. It takes Uh, like the Shauna in my life to be like, you should do that. And I'm like, oh, you're right. You should. Yeah. So I want to talk about Dr. Robin's school. We, as a homeschool family that's been like blogging forever, have tried many resources and we love, I know I read your blog. <laughs> I, we read, we love science. So we have, we're fortunate to be able to dabble in more than one science if, cause kids interests and you are like in our like tied top two ever. Thank you. I appreciate you that. Tied the two of you tied. And the reason why, I mean, there's many reasons why I love your program, but I love that each, and I know I said this in Neverboard Learning, but I could have each kid set up on a different screen doing this Dr. Robin's school. And one is learning about teeth because they're fascinated <laughs> in like cavities and dental hygiene. That's uh-huh. my daughter is like the, not the one you have to worry about with brushing your teeth. And then I have the one that's all about digestion because right. poop and all of that. And then it's all about poop. Yeah. And then this one's into pulmonary cardi- cardiology, et cetera. And it, they're not going to, there's no like pop-ups or any, they're not going to get into anything else. They're just pursuing, they'll jump around lessons and I'll walk by and I'll, and they often stop. And I've no, I've told you this before. They love your stories. <laughs> so they'll be like, Oh, did you know, Dr. Robin just said this, that this happened with her teeth or with, or another thing that I like is that when you're doing an experiment or some sort of demonstration. Sometimes if something topples over or it doesn't go like perfectly planned that you still, you like keep it in there and talk about it and then carry on, which is the way life works. Things yeah. spill and things don't work the way they're supposed to do the first time. So I think it's great for kids to see that modeled and not everything like perfectly Perfect. like Instagram sepia filtered and like perfectly uh-huh. arranged. You know what I mean? I'm babbling on, but could you tell us about Dr. Robin's school? All the things you said are because of being a mom and knowing that I didn't, there's great resources on YouTube, but I can't let my kids just sit there and click on things on YouTube because there's a lot I don't want them to get into on there. And it just- Kara on sisters, when we were doing it together, used to always say you're three clicks away from a tush. Oh, (laughs) basically, yes. Especially in science. Science really quickly goes bad places. Can't use that. You know, having it be a safe place, but also I want my kids to explore. And my kids are so different from each other. My, Mm -hmm. My daughter loves art. She loves drawing. She loves coloring. Like she has 
so many supplies for doing all the things. My son, he's allergic to pens and pencils and crayons. And if I make him touch one of those, it's it's the end of that hour being a good hour. And so <laughs> being able to have different things for different kids. And then my little sister, who's of course all grown up like we are, but she's and she's taller than me, so she's not really my little sister, but she's like totally grossed out by human body stuff. And at the same time, she has a body. And mm-hmm. so she has to learn about it and how it works. And so just remembering when I was in med school, I was explaining how different things work about like blood vessels and about, and I remember my sister as she must've been in college at the time going, ew, you mean like I'm walking on my blood vessels? And it was so funny. But also there are those people like Mm -hmm. my sister who are really grossed out by the fact they're walking on blood vessels. Mm -hmm. And actually Hannah, who did all the art for Dr. Robin's school is a dear friend of mine. We've known each other for forever. My sister's, she is my sister's best friend's little sister. Oh, so fun. Yeah. So when we were kids, we were too far apart to be friends. Yeah. But then as we got to be so large, oh, it's a million years apart. And, (laughs) but of course now it doesn't matter. We're basically the same age. And she and I have been friends this for a long time now, and she gets grossed out by so many things. Having to edit the dissection videos, I actually sent her like timestamps to cut out these parts and put, cause she was like, I just, I can't do it anymore. And so she's one of those. She was never gonna see those dissection videos again. Mm-hmm. So trying to meet the needs of all the different kinds of kids who really need to learn about their bodies because they've got one. Some of them are going to want to be doctors and nurses and physical therapists and pharmacists. So they're going to need really in-depth information. They're going to be eating up everything. Then there's the kids who just really like gross stuff. So they're going to want the poop. They're going to want the vomit. They're going to want the dissections. And then there's the kids who are totally grossed out and they want to be able to keep it all completely clean and Mm -hmm. learn about the body without anything icky. And so trying to think like, how can I make sure that every kid out there can learn about their body and to the depth that they want to and need to. Because if you have a really sensitive kid, some of that stuff could be scary. Depends. Mm-hmm. My oldest was sen- really sensitive early on for a long time. So yeah, to monitor what was coming <laughs> <Yeah>. up. <laughs> no, my, my kids can't even watch like Disney movies or my son. I remember a couple years ago, he's 14 now, so he'd probably be okay. But just a few years ago, they were going to watch the Lego movie at his homeschool co-op. And so we pre-watched a little bit at home. He's like, this is too scary, mom. I can't do this. And I'm like, it's the Lego movie. It's okay. They're not alive. They're going to be fine. And he just couldn't do it. So knowing that there are sensitive kids who need nothing scary ever in Dr. Robbins. Mm-hmm. We talk about bad things, but it's mm-hmm. always like the way Mr. Rogers would talk about it. Yes. You know? Oh my gosh. I've said that before. You are like Mr. Rogers. <laughs> no, and, and it's just very comforting. Like I, I've said before, like when we first met in Neverbore Learning and we were talking, it was surreal to me because you're on in my <laughs> family room all the time. And we talk about you like you're in, like in the house. Dr. Robbins told me <laughs> this thing and watch this part, what Dr. Robbins did doing Uh and then to see you and so they feel like they know you which I think doesn't often happen I'm trying to think of things we've used before it doesn't always happen some of the homeschool resources that you're using you're not connecting on that that personal level and that was one of my explicit goals because I want people to feel safe learning about their bodies and that someone like cares about them and cares about their bodies so that they can care about their bodies too. Cause on the way back a million years ago, when I was an actually what my kids call a real doctor. And then <laughs> my husband will be like, she is actually still a real doctor. Like she doesn't have to see patients, but I saw so many people who 
knew like I should do this, I should do that. No amount of shooting is going to make us want to do something. We always say in our family, that's a shitty way of talking and don't shoot on yourself. And because we don't allow any bad words here. So I my kids it. think it's that's so like fun almost. to say that. <laughs> almost a bad word. But we don't, shooting doesn't get you anywhere. It's feeling compelled and excited and interested in it. And what I hear all the time from parents is, my kid loves brushing their teeth now and they're telling me all about how if they don't brush their teeth, here's what happens. Or now my kid has been asking me how much fiber is in their food because they know that they need the fiber and it cleans out their intestines. And it's totally different to be told you should have this compared to imagining in your head the little sugar bugs eating your teeth, imagining that fiber cleaning out your intestines. It's So I want people, kids to feel like they, they know me and can trust me and that we're in this together. Right. And that you don't do it perfectly or that your family doesn't do it perfectly either. Because was it one of your kids or was it you that told the story about not brushing going away for the summer and not having a toothbrush. Uh My daughter is my old, (laughs) my oldest two are polar opposites when it comes to teeth. So she Uh is, she flosses like I was as a kid. She just loves, she wants to keep her teeth. The other ones, I'll brush them when the braces are (laughs) off, maybe. And goes to summer camp and his toothbrush is here. And we're all like, oh my gosh. (laughs) So that story came up all the time because she was like, and she's if it was you or your kids, she was like, and still has her teeth. <laughs> like it alleviated, it alleviated some anxiety there. For, I was like, you're not the one that needs to worry about any of that. Uh-huh. But, yeah. No, I have one good brusher, one not good brusher, but yeah, no, I like to use stories. I always did with my patients and with my kids. My daughter the other day told me, mom, somebody who had something bad happen in basically every way possible. And I was <laughs> like, I mean, I am a doctor. Yeah, you do end up knowing a lot of people with bad things that happen. But I think as humans, we don't connect to facts and numbers. We connect to stories and other people. And so mm-hmm. hearing, okay, so there's this other person who had this happen, or there's this other person who has this condition. And so I need to be more thoughtful about it or things like that are more real and interesting and make it something worth caring about. Definitely. And you remember it more than you would if you read a chapter on whatever affliction Uh or disease. Yeah, Um, no, it's interesting because my, I actually have some of my, so I also teach at a medical school and so they're learning to be doctors and a few of them have actually ended up using Dr. Robin's school because they were And like one of them was really like not conceptualizing some things Mm -hmm. that to me were pretty basic, but in med school, you just memorize everything. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this sounds weird. I like, this is for kids, but I'll give you a login if you want to just go look at it. And she was like, oh my gosh, I understand it now. It makes sense. And there was another one who just, they have... I could not figure out tuning forks. And oh, so, we have one of those around our house. <laughs> yeah. And so I like explained the whole thing the way I always do on my videos and to mm-hmm. my friends and family. And they were just like, oh, that makes so much more sense. It did not make any sense to me why we do that. And I was like, are there other instruments you're like struggling with a bit? And they're like, yeah, like all of them. And I was like, this sounds weird, but if you wanted to look at it. And so like I have medical students who they're learning the facts, they're learning the numbers, they're memorizing the names of things but they're not understanding conceptually necessarily how it's actually works. And over time I've gradually accumulated like this little group of med students who are using Dr. Robin school because yeah, they can memorize all the treatments for something or they can understand it and figure out what those should be. And then it makes sense. So it's a totally different way of thinking about it. It is. I love that so much. Do your kids like the gross stories? Because my husband, I think I told you my husband's in critical care and my daughter 
loves like she used to she used to when he come home from work when she was teeny tiny be like so what happened today that was gross <laughs> that is my daughter so my daughter loves gross stories and she loves sharing them with other people yes who like, don't necessarily well, you, and I'm like people don't want to hear that actually so I learned very at a very young age to tell her like this is a story that you don't tell other people unless they ask for the information and because you'll give them nightmares <laughs> way too much whereas my son is the one who's like super sensitive and really could do without a lot of that information but now as he's getting older and teenagers don't always make the best choices in the universe and so he's getting a lot more of those whether he likes them or not because I'm like now is my last chance like here is why you don't do things that give you a spinal cord injury because <laughs> the highest risk group for spinal cord injuries are boys 16 to 25 and you are 14 so we're like heading into that window here's mm -hmm. all the ways people break their spinal cords and yes. don't do that please <laughs> so. I know I know there I've been saying I'm this is my favorite age right now actually of all I, the ages and yeah. I've liked them all but they are so funny and also make you want to pull your hair out when they're telling <laughs> some of like when they either do something completely without thinking which is developmentally appropriate right. but you have these moments where you're like what were you thinking <laughs> and my oldest will just be like I'm sorry mom I just wasn't yeah that's what my son says to you he'll be like mom my brain's remodeling right now I, I just think that, I love that. yeah because the wiring it's all changing in there and he's like it, yeah. that part was getting remodeled I don't know what happened and then my daughter who's 13 will tell all these lies about something that really wasn't something that you even needed to lie about and she's really bad at it so then she, she just keeps doing it I'm like just stop talking just stop, <laughs> just stop none of it makes sense uh-huh what's so we've been saying scrambled eggs and lies is teenage brain yeah scrambled eggs my, my kids are funny because they know nothing phases me that is what I'm known that's what they tell their friends They're like oh my mom, nothing bothers her because I've heard so many worse things than what they can do that there's like nothing that will surprise me at this point. Once in a while, I'm like, okay, that's a little bit more than I want you to be doing right now. But for the most part, I'm just like, eh, whatever. And since they were kids, they've heard me talking to patients because I had a solo practice until 2020. So they heard a lot of really interesting, because I tell my patients, like, I'm with my kids right now, so we could do, talk about this later, or I can talk about it now. And they're like, no, it's fine, whatever. And so my kids have heard some really crazy things that people have done. And <laughs> so they'll just tell me, they won't tell their dad, they won't tell anyone, but they'll just tell me anything. And it's really funny just seeing that lack of filter, <laughs> how their brains work or don't work. <laughs> Yes. Yes. We, that sounds very similar to our house. And actually with like medical stuff, I think if you're a doctor, you're either hyper aware of all the things that can go wrong, or you're like, they're fine. And Matt, that's Matt, I think, cause he's always in like an emergency or death sort of situation that anytime someone's swollen up or like this, this thing is happening, he's like, the, just wait 24 hours and we'll still give him some Tylenol, check on him tomorrow. Uh -huh. so, yeah. They're always like, rolling with the punches <laughs> I, with my kids I tend to be very like information based so my son came home from a thing and he's like mom I've got a problem I'm like okay tell me about it so they're going to a trampoline park and I would like to go with them 
but I know I'm not allowed to be on a trampoline because I could break my neck or I could break my arm. And so I was thinking maybe you would let me go if, and then he gave me like all the safety things he was going to do. Cause I always just am very logical or mm -hmm. he came home with an ear infection the other day. He texted me. He's like, mom, I think I have an ear infection. And I was like, great. Why do you think that? And he described like, that sounds like probably as soon as he came in the door, look at his ear. It's like, okay, here's your Sudafed. Here's your antibiotics. Here's your ibuprofen. Mm -hmm. Here's the schedule you're taking them on. He's in ballet, so he can't have his ears not work because he does all the spinning. Right. So he immediately started exactly what he was supposed to do, which is weird for a 14-year-old, but ballet is very motivating. So Yeah, it was that carrot. <laughs> it was. <laughs> it, they tend to be very much, okay, here's the situation. I know how to handle it because they understand how their body works. So it's logical. And so they're like... They know this is what the eustachian tube is. And when I have an ear infection, my eustachian tube is blocked. Here's what I need to do to open it up. And here's why, because otherwise ballet is going to be miserable. And just that logical, here's how your body works and here's what we need to do. is Which is such a gift too, because I think many of us grew up not taught. We didn't learn anatomy till when? Maybe in high school? I didn't like learn until did medical school. I might've learned it in college, <laughs> actually. I'm trying to think, but definitely like bio was high school. And I think there was probably a unit, but and, and not enough to be useful, nothing practical. No. And I feel like depending on the generation of your parents and like their background that some of it was just like, we didn't talk about body, right. didn't come up or use different weird names for everything. <laughs> and uh -huh. it's so nice to be able to tell your kids because you do, you're stuck with that body your entire life and you want it to work well yeah. for as long as it can. And when people understand being sick is scary sometimes, mm -hmm. and, but knowing like being able to conceptualize, okay, this is why I feel the way I do. And it makes logical sense. It doesn't have to be scary is something. The reason I teach the way I do is practicing for years on my patients because so many people when they're sick, just panic and yeah. people would come in tears. They're like, I'm sick. And I'm like, okay, so tell me what you're scared of right now. And they're like, I don't know. So we'd step back and I explain exactly what was going on with their body. And they're like, oh. So that's okay. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's okay. Like your body's really good at getting better and your body's really good at handling this and you know what to do. And seeing so many adults who in the privacy of my office are terrified, they won't admit that to their friends, their families, their spouses, whoever, but that's why they don't go to the doctor. <laughs> yeah. And so many of them would get dragged in by their spouses because they didn't trust doctors because mm -hmm. they thought I was just going to throw a bunch of random stuff at them. And I was like, no, actually the human body is like logical. Let's talk about how the body works. And then all of a sudden it wasn't the scary, like, doctors and hospitals and medical problems are this really scary thing. Instead, it was like, oh, this is something logical that I can understand and I can take care of myself. So yeah, it's not this thing way out there. This is like tangentially, tangentially related. And I may have already told you this, but in 2019, my oldest was super, he's an anxious personality type anyway, but he was his thing. So he goes through phases of what the worry is. And the worry was global pandemics. Oh no. Right. Pandemics. Oh no. What great <laughs> timing. I know. So it was in January of 2019. And so we were meeting with the therapist that we see off and on and she's giving like, she's logic constantly gives them information. And we'll be like, what do you know about this? And what do you think the chances are that this plague will show up in New Hampshire? And, and, and he just knew too much. So he was like, he's talking about crossover spillover from animals and uh -huh. like how all the scientists are saying that it's just a matter of time and it's probably yep. going to be respiratory. It will be like a yep. flu. And 
So when it actually happened, she we were long over it. She called me and she was like, I'm swamped right now, but you were the first person I thought of if you need to come in. And meanwhile, he's, I told you, like he uh -huh. wasn't even anxious. I mean, uh -huh. he was a little bit, but because dad was working with him, but he was like, I told you all this was going to happen. Everyone yep. was telling me it was a slim chance. And the scientists right? have been saying it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. My sister actually was this, she's very anxious about some things and she, she washes her hands meticulously. And she was like, you know what? everyone has finally learned how to wash their hands correctly and is not making fun of me anymore because her whole life people have been like, why are you washing your hands so carefully? She's because there's germs everywhere. And now all of a sudden everyone knows how. So yeah, isn't it sad that it took so long for people to get the 30 seconds yeah. <laughs> singing the happy birthday. Uh -huh. I was like, all these people weren't doing that. <laughs> yeah. And also the not going out to other people when you're like miserably sick. Which was How common sense anyway. I, but it was like, just expected everyone should keep working sick and keep mm -hmm. socializing sick. And it was weird when you really think about it. Like, yeah, we were yeah. expected as a doctor, we were expected to go to work sick. Wait, what? Yes. Should yes. we really be spreading these germs to everybody? But yeah. Yeah. Cause you had like, my husband went to sick, went to work sick a bunch of times. I'm like, you're with like a really at risk population. And most of them are elderly. I was laughing when you were telling your stories about the patients. Cause he would do the same thing when he was uh -huh. working from home during COVID before it like hit here. And most of his patients are elderly. So uh -huh. he's, he's yelling. <laughs> so we heard all the stories. All the kids are just not on. Uh -huh. really yeah. So what do you think would surprise parents about their kids learning science? I think how much kids can understand, even for me, that's surprised me a lot because when I have a test group of kids that I run everything on before I record it, and some of those kids run circles around my med students as far as how to think. They mm -hmm. can, I can throw them some new information. I can be like, okay, so if a patient had, had was not getting enough iron, what would you expect? And they can think through all of it. And I'm just like, it blows my mind that here's these children who are figuring out what iron deficiency anemia should look like, what kind of symptoms they should have, how would it affect their breathing, how would it affect their energy, the fact that they would get lightheaded. And I'm just like, it makes sense. And so of course kids get it because kids are very logical, but it still yeah. boggles my mind. And it's really made me stretch what I try to teach my own kids, where before I wouldn't try maybe going as in depth because I was like, they're kids, they can't understand because I didn't learn this stuff till high school or college or medical school, but there's no reason why they can't. If they can understand their daily life and they can understand how to make fudge and how to dress themselves. And I mean, think about a lot of modern life is really complicated compared to what people did 10,000 years ago yes. or 5,000 years ago. So why not consider the possibility that our kids could actually figure all this out? So I've right. started- and they don't have that it, it, until a certain age, they don't even have that self-consciousness when you're mm -hmm. talking about some of that stuff. So they're not afraid to venture. Like maybe that's why Yeah. versus you hit 12, 13 and everyone, you know, doesn't want to be the one that's throwing out the random- The weird kid out there. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> and the fact that when they are used to thinking that way, it's not scary for them to not know something because they mm -hmm. realize there's all this stuff that you don't know and that's okay. And I think one thing that was hard for me in science is you like, you learn so little of science until all of a sudden you have to know all of it. Yeah. And it was just like this wall of all of a sudden you go from making this little volcano with your vinegar to doing equations and knowing what moles are and all this. I'm like, there was no like in between. Mm -hmm. And 
I'm hoping time will tell, but my daughter is definitely on the science side, science and music are her things that I'm hoping that because like when we're learning chemistry, I'm teaching her about not just not in, I'm not making her do equations, but we're learning a little bit more in depth about why does this work? and experimenting with, okay, so if the pH of this is this and the pH of this is that, how much of this one do you need to mix with that one to get neutral? And why is that? What does pH even mean? And when we're learning mm -hmm. about the human body, we're going, okay, so she loves the story of blue babies and the first surgery, uh, the first pediatric heart surgery. And she tells people the story all the time. So I'm like, okay, let's <laughs> look at this. Why is it that way? Can you figure it out? And so I'm hoping doing that someday when she hits like having to actually do the equations and having to actually do all the stuff that was so hard for me, it won't scare her because she's already been able to think through all of this hard stuff. That's how I think about it too. It has to, because they're getting these like building blocks where they're interested. Mm -hmm. And so then it's going to make more sense when you do, like, I think I always laugh my, when I was in high school, my, I was good at balancing equations. I don't know that I totally understood that oh, the whole time I was good at it. And my teacher asked me to be an AP chemistry. And I was like, no, <laughs> there's <laughs> no hard way. No. <laughs> but I didn't, that was my only experience with chemistry up until that point. And I was good at the math part and they didn't, maybe I wasn't listening well, like I got A's, but I didn't understand that until we were homeschooling yep. and then someone was interested in it. And I was like, like, oh, this makes so much more sense. And I think it's so good to say that we don't know these things and to figure them out with the kids when they're interested in something. I use this as an excuse why it's okay to be lazy and not plan anything because you can just be like, I don't know, but let's, I don't, let's look out. it up. Yeah. I do it with my med students sometimes. I'm like, that's a great question. How about we use our resources? Yeah. Because that's an important skill. But no, even as a doctor, teaching all this stuff to kids, there's so many things I did not understand. I knew I'd memorized. I was a really good doctor, I think. Just even simple things like what, how do the valves in our legs work? It never made sense to me how the valves actually work until I started teaching it. And I'm like, oh, that's how valves work. That is so cool. Yeah. Isn't our body amazing? And there's all this stuff that's totally logical that I never had to think about. So I didn't really understand it. And now I don't even remember what it was, but a couple of weeks ago, I put together for the first time something that's very logical about the, and I was like, oh, that's why it works that way. Like it never occurred to me before, even though I'm a those doctor. <laughs> like, yeah. Like I went to medical school. I think school. that's good to say, like you can be super smart and you can be in like one of these very intelligent, like the professions that everyone is, whoa, you're a doctor and you still not know everything. Oh, but it's literally impossible to know everything. And mm -hmm. it's one thing I have to tell my med students all the time is once upon a time, 150 years ago, you actually could learn all the stuff there. Like it was actually possible to know all the things we knew about the human body because we didn't know very much about the human body. Yes. <laughs> but now like people will spend their entire career learning about one teeny tiny little piece of the human body and still not run out of new things to learn about it. Like it's literally impossible for anyone to know all of this. So you have to just choose. I love family medicine because I can know something about everything, but I certainly don't know a whole lot about anything because it feels like a whole lot. It's a whole lot more than most people do. But compared mm -hmm. to the vast like ocean of knowledge, like there's so much. And do we really need to know all of that? We don't need to, but it's all there. Yeah. And no one can ever actually learn all of it. So we get to pick what is it we do want to learn. And then you never run out. You never run out of new things to learn. You can just keep going and going forever, which is really cool.
That is cool. And I think it's going to be reassuring for parents listening who are not science, don't have us, don't feel confidence in science to hear a physician say, sometimes I had trouble explaining this concept to a kid because I always think about math. That was the hardest subject for me to teach here. And the first one I outsourced. And thankfully my boys loved beast from the beginning. And I kept thinking if I had been taught this way, Uh I would have the language to explain. Cause again, it's the story that they're doing. They're explaining it not in a Catholic elementary school. This is why you carry, (laughs) you just carry the one. You just do it. You just do it. And this is how you set this up. And nobody said why long division looked like that. You just, it was just how it. it is. Well, that's one of the glories of homeschool is we can outsource each subject to someone who's really good at teaching it, or if that's what we want to do. And there's, there's some things where you just need to get the job done, right? Yeah. I think most of us are looking for the best way to explain each thing. What's the best way to learn math for our kid? Like each kid's different. What's the best way to teach spelling? What's the best way to understand writing? What's the, and we can, we actually have the, freedom to go do that. We don't have to say, here's the package. This is what we get. We can say, okay, I want my kids to actually understand this. Who's the person? Who's the curriculum? Who's the video? Who's the book? What's, what is it that's going to actually make my kids understand this instead of just mm-hmm. like, blindly do the thing? Right. And so we have the freedom to go find what that is for our family. Yes. And we always, and it can be, if anyone's listening and they've been hesitant to do that, it can be a game changer. The amount of stress. And we, as bloggers, got a lot of products for free and things. We pay for beast and art of problem solving, and it is not cheap, but it saved my bacon when they were young (laughs) because it explained all of that. And then I have two boys that are like my husband and are extraordinarily like just live and breathe math. They're going to be the kid in calculus mm-hmm. five or whatever it yep. is. So then we reached a point where, thank goodness I have art of problem solving. Cause oh, I, I, did, I haven't ta- learned this myself yet. Like no, well, And you can't teach all that. You're like my, my brother who's in electrical engineering, I homeschooled him. My mom, when he was 14, my mom was like, I, he, she pulled him out of school. She's like, this isn't working. I can't do this. Here he is. And so <laughs> I started homeschooling him when he was 14. Wow. Like, I had done through calculus. So like technically I could teach it, but no, not really. But he was clearly really smart. He's going on to engineering school and I couldn't have taught him the math he needed to know and actually done an adequate job. I found someone else, someone else, but a different curriculum. I would have loved art of problem solving. I would have probably stuck yeah. with math a lot longer than I did if I'd had something like that. And, but then again, each person's different. I wished my kids would like that because I wanted to go through it and learn mm-hmm. all that. Yeah. Maybe someday I'll do it for me. That wasn't the right thing for I them. said I was going to do that too. I was like, I'm going to relearn <laughs> all of this, but you have no time. No, the, there's no you time. You know what I mean? There was no time for that. But I was initially, I was like, I am going to take beats right alongside them. My someday. daughter took it at first and then it was very, she's solid in math, but it's not her jam. So she yep. was very, they're all close in age, very aware mm-hmm. of where everyone was and uh. the discussion of it. And I just had to be like, Full stop. We're doing something else. Yeah. Because she just she just listens and she reads people and she. Yep. I was like, you can be good at math and like talk about it all the time and not even maybe like it that much. That's right. totally fine. Totally you just fine. Stuck with these two boys that are just like <laughs> through no I fault of your it. own. Here you are. <laughs> and and my he- youngest says, I think integers are so fun. Like he'll just come out. And say, <laughs> That's his thing. Yeah, well, and we can ch- we can change what we're doing anytime we want to. We mm-hmm. can we can be using one thing and be like, oh, that actually isn't the good fit we wanted it to be. I'll change it, or we can use it in a different way. 
for, we used all about spelling when my kids were younger and I did the full thing. And then I was like, this is not working for me. Mm -hmm. And we ended up doing like this very abbreviated version that was much faster and it worked for our family and that's okay. And knowing that there's that flexibility Occasionally, I see with like new parents who are just starting homeschooling, who are using our curriculum, they mm-hmm. want me to tell them exactly what order everything should be done and yes. exactly how their child should do it. And I'm like, it's really whatever you want to do. So we did make a two different units that kind of are an overview. So people have something where they feel like they can buy the workbook, work through the workbook. And there's some units of like specific topics their kids might be interested in. And we did that specifically more for the new homeschoolers who really yes. wanted it prescripted. This Just is how tell it me is. What to tell do. me what to do. Or yeah. for people whose kids really are not interested in anything else except one topic. So mm-hmm. they need that one topic and nothing else. That that mindset of it's okay. Like you don't have to use it in any particular way. You can be like, I don't like worksheets. And mm-hmm. we've even had a few people who are like, I don't like worksheets. I don't want to use them. And I'm like, cool. You don't even have to tell me about it. Yeah. Just don't use them. I actually we didn't have worksheets to begin with because I'm not, a, we almost never use worksheets in real life, but people really <laughs> wanted worksheets. And I was like, okay, we'll make worksheets. Yeah. And there's worksheet kids. Cause my daughter is the, oh, yeah. I don't require it. Cause I was not a worksheet person as long as they're, and then with your program, they talk so much about it that I'm very aware oh, of sure. what each person is learning. So I, I don't feel like I need to see it, but she likes the worksheet. So she's the kid that would do that, print it out on her own and do it. Uh-huh. Not even for anyone to see, just cause it's fun to fill it out. My so. sister would ask for workbooks at the grocery store. Every time we went to the grocery <laughs> store, she'd be like, mom, I need a new workbook because she wanted to do her math workbook and her spelling workbook. So and cute. Every kid's different. It's, and people can, whatever curriculum they're using, you did not, you are not the servant of the curriculum. Mm-hmm. It, you chose it for your family and you get to be in charge of it. Uh, yeah. And it's freeing when you realize that's okay. I remember we started the first year I tried to do all like way too much. And then I just Don't we realized <laughs> like, we, I can just dabble. If he's really interested in ancient history right now, we'll just do it for a little bit. He's young. If he gets yeah. bored with it, we've got until college. We don't need to cover it all right now. So you can jump around a little. Some subjects are easier than others. You Math is harder to- Sequential. Yeah, sequential. <laughs> you can just follow their interest and-, and as far as outsourcing too, it also works for kids who have learning challenges oh, yeah. that you don't feel really confident in teaching is, a, is another great way to outsource too. Yeah. And so many kids have both. I mean, my kids are both twice <laughs> exceptional. Same. They, they both have autism, dyslexia, ADHD, and are both really smart, but mm-hmm. each in their own different way too. They actually are both at about the same level. They're three years apart age-wise, but about the same level for Matt mm-hmm. My daughter is like flying through it and my son is struggling and that's okay. Yeah. And it's something where being able to choose what works for you and for each kid and ideally the same thing for the whole family is really nice. But sometimes that doesn't work. Like you said, Mm -hmm. with your daughter and your sons and knowing that you have the choice. Yes. You're in charge. You're in charge. Okay. I have talked your ear off so much, but one <laughs> I always love I, visiting with you. I know. It's so fun to talk to you. I wish we were closer. We could like get a cup of coffee or that something. That would be fun. I know the answer to this, but for <laughs> people who are listening, what ages? I know that you've even used Dr. Robin's school with college, <laughs> medical school. So yeah. clearly it works for older kids, but what age can you start with? So technically it's third through eighth grade. I do know we have kids as young as four using it. If they're highly gifted, they want to be doctors when they grow up. They're super, if someone has a special interest in the human body, like Mm -hmm. there's no, because of the way I explain it, 
it works for anybody if that's what they want to do. And then for high school, it's not going to count for AP anatomy physiology, but for a kid who's either not interested in going into anything like that and just needs like the lighter version, it still goes more in depth than most college classes mm-hmm. because it's pre-medical. So we, we understand the pathophysiology of asthma and the pathophysiology of what is a heart attack? How do you read an EKG? And all this stuff that you really don't learn. And mm-hmm. so it's plenty or more than they need. Or for kids who do want to do AP anatomy physiology who are, or who did AP anatomy physiology and it's all gone. And yeah. it's a really good like foundation. So technically third through eighth grade is like what it's like meant for because those are my just my kids ages frankly so mm-hmm. when my sister was like you should do this I was like I know a lot about these ages because that's what I've got <laughs> that's what I did and those are the test age the kids I test everything on are between like 7 to 14 years old but you know anybody I know lots of parents who watch with their kids and my test kids it's really funny because they have the parents are not supposed to be part of it but the kids will be like I have a question and I'll answer it. I'll be like, did that answer your question? And they'll be like, did that answer your question, mom? And I'm like, ah, mom's question. Got it. <laughs> That's so great. <laughs> that would be me. I'm always like, they'll, I get sucked in if they don't have headphones on. I'm like, whoa. And because it's all stuff my patients didn't know. And right. so when I explain diabetes, it's the same exact way I explain diabetes to my patients with diabetes. And when I explain asthma, it's the same way I explained asthma to my patients with diabetes, or I'm sorry, with asthma, because we all need to know how it works. Even right. If- and you're going to come across people who have it in your family, in your friend circle, and you will, might have, I know I had gestational diabetes with all three and I didn't totally understand. I had never really thought about it. Uh-huh. Until I was carrying somebody and I was like, wait, what now? And so often people have a thing where they know someone and they don't understand it at all. And I think it's totally different if someone does understand it. It was interesting. My, my mom and sister, my mom's husband, not my dad, but she remarried, has dementia. And mm. we had an MRI and I was explaining what the MRI said. And I just pulled out my skull and I pulled out my brain, not my brain, my, <laughs> my brain. And I like explained the whole thing the same way I do to kids and they were just mm-hmm. fascinated they're like here she's been going to appointments with him for years and she's like nobody has ever explained it like this before I had no idea like she knew it was frontal temporal dementia she didn't actually know what the frontal lobe was or where yeah. it was because no one had ever stopped and explained this is what that is and for people to have a baseline knowledge then when someone says this is what is going on then you immediately can have this picture in your mind of okay I can imagine that makes sense. Cause- and you can also help your, I was, we were down in Nashville last week and we were on a trolley with these women who were having the most interesting conversation, like with everybody, uh-huh. <laughs> like not New Englanders anymore. Everybody's talking with everybody, but one woman had been recently diagnosed with epilepsy and was nervous because it was a really new thing and they were still sorting out medications. And so they were having a discussion about how nice it would be if more people talked about, here's my yeah. thing. Yeah. And in case this happens and you're near me, this is what you do. And I think so many of those medical issues that people have, we just don't know about. We know the name of it because it's on the commercial for whatever medication (laughs) they're trying to sell us, but nobody really talks about it. Yeah. Especially things like epilepsy, asthma, diabetes, Mm -hmm. everyone should know about. My sister in college had a professor who was diabetic and 
he had a hypoglycemic episode. She was the only one who knew anything about it. And so she, she was like, where do you keep your, do you have a snack? Do you have glucagon? Do you have something? And he couldn't answer. So she went through his desk, found his stuff, but like, Mm -hmm. she was the only one that whole class who knew anything about it. And wouldn't it be nice if everyone knew what to do? If someone has diabetes or someone has an asthma exacerbation, Mm -hmm. or if someone needs an EpiPen or because that happened to a friend of mine, she got stung by a bee and she was babysitting other people's kids and had like a weird reaction to it where she, it was almost like she was on a substance and was not cognitively, it wasn't her typical reaction. So she didn't even know enough to get the EpiPen, but a friend happened to stop by to pick up a kit and was like, whoa. Just give you it need, to her. You need that. Yeah. Yeah. No, so. having people around know makes such a difference. But since most people don't know, and people going on the community, my sister has epilepsy also, actually. Mm-hmm. And then I have severe asthma. And like for me, I have no fear of standing up in the middle of the restaurant just being like, does anyone have an inhaler? Because right. I'm pretty confident. But for my sister, yeah. like she'll just quietly slip off and have a seizure. And knowing that it would be good. And all the times I've found people in situations in women's bathrooms where it would be really nice if like I knew what to do, but it'd be nice if lots of other people knew what to do. Yeah. And yeah. And when you don't understand it, it can be scary. So like like seizures can be very, very scary. We had our favorite dog ever had epilepsy. And so we, my kids got a whole, they know that. (laughs) Oh yeah. Our collie had seizures at the end of her life. And yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a scary thing to watch. But once you have a way of conceptualizing each of these things. And you have a plan and it's helpful just to have that information that like, okay, this is happening. This is what I do. I get the stopwatch. I get the medication, the whole thing. Yeah, or sure he's, he's comfortable as he can be. And even at the simple level, I remember one time I was at my credit union and a woman started having a seizure and people were trying to like get a chair for her and put her in a chair. And I was like, no, she's going to fall. Like we have to no. put her on the floor. And they were like, and the whole thing with the spoons. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember people talking uh-huh. about put that? A spoon like, there. Don't do it. No, you're going to hurt their teeth. Too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. hurt their teeth. Yeah. And there's things where if people understand the human body, even if they don't know all those details, it's less scary and it's more something that like, okay, we can cope with this. And right, unfortunately, it's empowering. it's empowering. And we're all going to know people who have problems. Like, unfortunately, that's part of being human. Tell my patients, either you're going to die early mm-hmm. or you're going to have something bad happen eventually. Yeah. Like, you have two choices. You die early or you get old. That's it. And yeah. I personally would prefer to get old and not die early. So right. I'm going to have health problems as I get older. I remember going to a drug dinner with my husband when we were redating. I don't even know, but we, it was like in a place in Boston. Back when they had those things. Yeah. They don't have those anymore, but I don't even know. Maybe it wasn't a drug dinner, but it was about, I think it was about health insurance or something, but they were talking about disabilities and how most of us are going to end up disabled. Yeah. And that to me was like even working in special education and being around people who had various like medical involvement and I was just like, wow, I have never thought about that before that you're, you know, you're going to get old, but your body's going to deteriorate and <laughs> right. you're, something could happen. You could have an injury, you could have some sort of ailment, something we are all going to experience it or know yeah. somebody or know somebody. Yeah. No, people think I'm crazy. Cause I was like planning for when I'm going to age in place. And like, when I'm old, I'm going to need this. And when I'm old, I'm going to do that. And they're like, why do you talk like that? I'm like, because I'm going to get old. It's right. That's my plan. I'm not going to die. I'm going to get too soon. I'm going to get old. And mm-hmm. people who understand their bodies and what's happening can be in charge of it. I had one, mm-hmm. one woman in particular in my practice who she's always the picture to me of she was in control of that. Mm-hmm. And her husband ended up very sick, but their house was all set up. 
Yeah. And though because she just planned, she was, and she was not that old. She was in her late fifties when her husband got very sick, but she was ready for it. And yeah. I went and did home visits with them because she didn't want to leave his side while he was so sick. So I would see her for her knee injections and things. I, I remember doing her knee injection on our kitchen counter because we needed a place for her. And it was such a nice way of being. And like she, as things happened, she was like, oh yeah, I helped a friend with this. Oh, I understand about that. And I made this, I helped my mom when she made this decision. And she was so aware, even though she had no medical background. And it yeah. wasn't like she had knew exactly the medical stuff, but because she was confident about the human body, she'd been with people through different things. The way she was able to just go through that experience without panicking and have mm -hmm. a really positive experience. I was yes. like, I want to be her when I grow up. I love that. We talk about that too, because all of us are at the age where we have aging relatives and yep. <laughs> a lot for a lot of people, this thing is happening to me. And yes. they feel a real lack of control and they've never really thought about what if we can't do stairs or like things like that. And it can be, it, I think it, it's, I think it's hard anyway to know that you're aging, right? Like we all have things that we're like, ah, but to be in control of it, to know this is inevitable and I need to have a plan for when this house isn't going to work for me and what would I want the next thing to be and what if there's some dementia or memory issues that come up in the relationship and all these various things that can happen because yeah. otherwise, otherwise you just feel like a train off track, I would think. Yeah, no, it it's interesting. Hard. I've heard us called the sandwich generation because we're taking care of the older people as they're aging and we're taking care of our kids as they're growing and we're just in the middle trying to keep up with everybody. And we're dealing with our changes. Our, and yes, from, and, from and we're middle-aged too. So <laughs> like somehow we're supposed to take care of all of them and us too. Yeah. And so I think it gives a different perspective. When you're 20, you don't really think about these things, but then mm -hmm. you start caring for aging relatives and you're like, I want to be in control of my own body. I want to know what's going on with things and I mm -hmm. want to make my own choices and... I love that. It's been so good talking to you. Oh, you too. I could too. talk to you forever, but I'm going to switch <laughs> to rapid fire because okay. otherwise you'll be here all night. <laughs> that's always an option. But what was your favorite childhood game or toy? And that's the one I'm always like, which one was my favorite? I loved dollhouses and like making up entire complex stories and interactions with everything. So my sister and I had an entire dollhouse village in our basement where every time we like earned some money, we would either buy a dollhouse or we'd find someone at a garage sale and fix it up and repaint it and remodel. We made lots of dolls and we made furniture out of clay and that. And then my mom also painted us a bunch of what we called village blocks. I remember and you talking did about, I tell about that. This is one of my yeah. favorite stories. Yes. Tell it yeah. again. So she would just go to the hardware store or the lumber yard where they have the little scraps they cut off and they're all weird shapes, right? So she'd look at the shape and be like, okay, this looks like it could be a church or this looks like it could be a library. And so then she'd paint them to look like churches and libraries and really detailed too. I think that was her creative outlet going back to the creativity mm -hmm. is that she would, she'd put all this detail into the library was brick and it had steps and there were bushes and a little bench next to it. Like she painted all this onto this block of wood. And so then we could set up all these, this whole village of all these different little blocks of all these different cute little houses and the bank. And there were some like skyscrapery ones with the tall blocks. And it's just really fun having, you know, that complexity of the village and all the people and how they had all interact with each other. And it was really fun. I love that so much. And you still have them, right? My mom still does. She won't give yeah. me any of them. I can't, yeah, well. I'm like, can I have three or four to just have on a shelf? And she like, will not let me get them. She's like, when I'm dead, you can have them. And I'm like, you're not going to die anytime soon. So <laughs> what an act of love though, and of creativity. And just, I, I like that 
blocks are so expensive. Oh, um, they're so expensive. Like it's crazy and you're yeah. paying for wood. But <laughs> I just think it's so great that she was able to do that in such a unique way that it's memorable all these years later. Well, and that never, she was being creative. Like she how was. cool that she did that. It was so obvious to me as a kid. Of course, that's just what my mom does. But I think it really instilled in me this, you can create things out of whatever you want. You don't have to go buy something and you don't have to have what other people have. You can go figure it out and make something. Yeah. We say this in Neverboard Learning all the time because games are expensive and you can dupe a game. Like just don't have, don't sell it. Yes. Don't tell (laughs) other people. But you could make your own. We have some really creative members in the community that will make their own version of games. And it's really, it's great to see. And you're teaching your kids how to think outside the box and make Uh something work. And so many of them you can really create yourself. You can, yeah. Or even better versions of. We, we have house rules for every game we play. I love because, house rules. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm always like, remember, this is a house rule. So if you play this with anybody else, this is not the real rule. Sometimes we forget. We'll be like, oh gosh, I don't actually know if that's in the rule book or something <laughs> that we made up. What was your favorite book as a kid? Definitely understood Betsy. It was, and I really, it's probably one of the reasons I homeschooled because in Understood Betsy, which what's the author's name, Dorothy Canfield Fisher, but it's a little girl named Betsy. It's written well over a hundred years ago at this point, who she was living with her anxious aunts who like controlled everything about her. And she went to school in the city where she was an exact grade and everything had to be regimented. And then she went and was sent to live with her country cousins. And all of a sudden, she had to learn how to do all these things that she'd never learned before. And there's this one story where the one of her cousins was asking her about how they pave roads. And she couldn't explain all the details of how they pave a road. And he's, what are you learning anyways if you can't explain how to pave a road? And just this different way of thinking about learning. And she learned how to tell time using, a, using a, the sun. She learned how to churn butter. But she also went to a one-room school. And remember, there's one chapter that was called, What Grade is Betsy? And every <laughs> subject, she's in a different grade. So the things she's really good at, she's in a higher grade. Which and is normal. Normal. <laughs> and for and just her shock of being like, what grade am I anyways? And her teacher said, you're not any grade, you're just Betsy. And that always stuck with me. You can just be you. It doesn't, you know, what grade you are doesn't matter. And mm-hmm. she was really good at reading. And so she was in a higher, but she struggled with math. So she did math with some kids who weren't as, as advanced and that, that worked. And it was fun. I love that. And I haven't told you, but you shared that book in Nevermore Learning. And so a lot of people don't watch our events live because life. So they, yeah. Oh, I, they catch I get that. Them. I watch basically nothing live. <laughs> and we just came out with a podcast for our annual members. So they're, a lot of them are catching up because they have every intention of watching the videos, but now that they're in their ears and they can pause when they get out of the car and all that. So they're catching oh, up. so much easier to listen to things. And it saves your spot. Like when you're watching yeah. a replay, you go back and you're like, wait, was I, where was I? How far uh-huh. was I? So we had whole conversation threads in the community about how they had never heard of that book before and they read it and it's been recommended so many times. And then they're like, watch the Dr. Robin (laughs) or listen to it. Yeah. It was a huge Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. No, I loved that book. And I, when my husband and I were dating, I read it out loud to him. I was like, if you want to understand me, you have to know this book. And I'll always remember, I knew I'd picked a good guy because when I, the end, when she's going to be sent away from her cousins, he was crying right along with me. And I was like, okay, he gets it. It's going to be okay. I just got chills. You were like, it's going to (laughs) work. What is the best book you've read yourself in the past five or so years? And that was a hard one. That's a hard one for grownups. 
I don't know if I read very many books for grownups, right? Mm -hmm. I read a lot of science for myself, but those aren't really like great books. They're interesting. My daughter and I, so her school, because she's been in public school for the last two years, mm -hmm. is coming back to homeschool. They did this thing where it's, I think it's called One Book, One School, where the whole school reads the same book. Which oh, cool. is It's really fun. Actually, the entire school reads the same book for a month. What grade range? From K through six. Wow. So the younger kids that's read to them. And then mm -hmm. her school is about 50-50 Spanish-speaking, English-speaking. Mm -hmm. So they have to pick books that are available in both languages. And then they have mm -hmm. all the stuff available in both languages. But it's been really fun because it's, first of all, introduced me to other books. But also, it takes a whole month to read it. And we never spend a month reading a book. That's, you read it. Like, you, you want to figure out what happens next. But instead, it's like a few pages at a time. This last year, they did The One and Only Ivan. I don't know if you've oh, read that with the yeah. gorilla. Yeah. And we loved the book. And then we read The One and Only Bob, which is about the dog. Mm -hmm. And then yesterday, The One and Only Ruby came out, which is about the Oh, no way. Fight. I didn't yeah. know. Yeah, okay. yesterday. I'm going to have to tell my kids. Yeah, no, I was like, we've been waiting for it. So today, Eleanor got home from school. And I was like, guess what I got for you? And she's like, what did you get for me, mom? I was like, do you remember a book that was about to come out with an elephant <laughs> in it? She's like, did you get me The One and Only Ruby? So that's, she's, so that's what she's doing right now is reading that book. So. I love that the entire school, all the grades are reading the same book. I think that's so yeah. cool. And I think thinking of homeschooling, that's why reading aloud is so important because yeah. they can all get the information at the same level. Can you hear my yeah. belly? <laughs> yeah. It's so fun for everyone to be able, like the way, just waiting for our kids outside in the playground, we'd be talking about the book mm -hmm. and to experience a book together. Cause my kids are in an age where I haven't read the show them aloud as much, but yeah, that got me get... back into it more where we all had so much fun. I'd sit at the table and read to them. And so now I've started reading to them again because it was just so much fun to all experience the book together and, and get really into the characters we did read ahead because there were times where we have to know what happens like we can't yes we can't stop here like we this is not there a some intense parts there there were it's so much fun to be able to like go through that and talk about it and have that experience together that's so. great what is bringing you joy right now my patio yeah. <laughs> it's spring now the weather's mm -hmm. beautiful most of the time I'm in Colorado so the saying is if you don't like the weather wait five minutes <laughs> because in one week it can go from like 75 degrees and short sweater to 20 degrees and snow and then back up to like 80 degrees and hot. So it's not consistently nice, but my kids actually <laughs> laid the whole patio. Oh, um, Yeah, they're, turns out they're really good at laying bricks. So we found That's this patio awesome. on Craigslist a couple years ago that someone was getting rid of. So my awesome little kids, like they were much smaller than neither one was very large and they hauled all those bricks with me. And my husband, of course, helped too, but the kids were in there hauling bricks and my husband got bored with the whole laying the patio thing so I just laid out hoses where I wanted things to be and my kids laid the entire patio wow and so now we have this big free patio and my that you did hung, yourself we did and ourselves always remember that yeah and the kids are still so proud of it and they'll tell people when they come over they're like we laid this patio ourselves and I'm like they sure did That's yeah I awesome. just I lie out there on the patio with a shade cover I'm like this is the best this is all I want in my life is just lying on this patio. I'd get bored eventually, maybe, but yeah. I haven't had a chance to find out yet. <laughs> no, we're New Hampshire is kind of similar. And we actually had, we had one 80 degree day, like a high eighties couple weeks ago. Oh. And then it was in the thirties. <laughs> yeah. 
what's happening? Do we take the down off? Do we leave it on? Like, uh-huh. you know, it hasn't clicked though. We haven't had consistent. It's just no. there was one day I really wanted to say, cause that's now been my, where I like relax and let everything go. And I came home from teaching at the med school and I was just really like tired and done. And I was like, I really want to sit on the patio, but it's really cold. And I ended up going out there anyways. My daughter came out with an like, armful of blankets and bundled me up. Oh, <laughs> so. oh that's so sweet. I love it. <laughs> we just put the patio furniture out. So like we're, it's promising. Oh, I'm sit a, out there. It might be cold, but I'm irresponsible. Mine just stays out there. If it can't handle okay. sitting out there, it's just going to die. <laughs> so. It's just because my husband was an engineer. <laughs> That's very responsible. There's, I'm very, there's a certain way to do things. Yeah. No, around, here it's, <laughs> around here, it's very much like life as catch as you can. Like it's, oh, it has been so good to talk to you yeah, and catch you up too. again. And before we go, could you just tell everybody, I'm going to include it in the show notes too, but where they can find you. So Dr. Robin school is at docrobinschool.com, D-O-C, Robin like the bird school.com. And that has the information about the program. They can sign up for unlimited access where you just get all the lessons. You just explore freely. Something we've changed in the last year is we now have it organized in different ways. So people can access just the unit. If they have full access, they can just do one unit at a time. If they want that unit that has a workbook that's very organized, or they can just do that free access classroom. So there's different ways of doing it. We're right now working on a new view of it, which will probably be ready next year. So it's not anytime soon, but pre-med uh, pre-med club view where it'll be looking at it from the specialty, like a front page about a specialty, and then they can click oh, on different cool. lessons. So, cause we have these different groups who use it. Like most people just want their kids to be healthy and happy and have a good future and understand their bodies. But there's mm-hmm. also like a strong contingent of STEM families. Oh yeah. Whose <laughs> kids are like really into science and maybe want a career in something more STEM related, more human biology related. And so mm-hmm. we're trying to meet the needs of different people, which is really fun to get to know everybody. So many people email us with either like suggestions or like what they liked or what they're looking for or why my kid has this medical problem. And so we watched all these videos and now they understand it. So it's really cool to just that personal part of it. That's really, I thought I wouldn't get, but we do, which is fun. That's wonderful. That's great. My, my kids would be all over the med club. <laughs> yeah. No, it was yeah. actually the, it was actually the idea of one of our one of our students in the program who was like, well, I really actually what I really want is a pre-med club. And I'm like, who could come with? So people send us ideas all the time. We've had a lot of people asking about microscopy, learning how to use a microscope. So oh, cool. I keep thinking like, how can I work that in? Because I actually have a microscope with a third eye, which means it has the two for me, but then it has an extra one for putting a camera. Oh, so cool. Like, my friend has that and she projects it. That is so yeah. cool. So I've yeah, been like, really what neat. can I do? So it's fun because if people want something, they can just, I won't promise it'll be anytime soon. It might be next year because I am like a person with kids, but yeah. <laughs> it's really fun seeing what ideas people have and what they're looking for because it's something I never thought about as a mom is there's actually someone behind all of this yeah and you can just be like some of them have been around for forever you're not changing them for ours people can just be like hey I want this I'm like oh yeah that's a really good idea we can try that yeah that's been so good to talk to you good to talk to you always of course take care you too thanks so much have a good rest of your day you too bye bye Hey sisters, Kate here. As a lifelong gamer, school psychologist, and homeschool mom, I have witnessed time and time again the power of play when it comes to learning. In fact, 
I truly believe that homeschooling can be almost all fun and games. Now, does that mean it's going to be all sunshine, rainbows, and laughter? Heck to the no way. But I do believe we could all be having a heck of a lot more fun. A playful mindset can transform your homeschool routine and your family life. The best part? You don't need an overflowing game closet to get started. You can be a game schooler today with just a deck of cards, and I'd love to show you how. That's why I created Never Bored Learning. Never Bored Learning is a private online community for creative parents and educators who embrace play-based learning and game schooling. The goal of Never Bored Learning is to play more and learn lots in the process. Your Never Bored Learning membership includes access to monthly guest speakers, live Q&As, monthly day-in-the-life family spotlights, and an ever-growing library filled with printable resources, including documentation resources, challenges, and print-and-play games and activities. But the very best part of NBL is the private online community forum. This is not a Facebook group, and it is hands down my favorite spot on the internet. The community is a vibrant one, filled with creative parents and educators. I wake up every morning before my kids, I pour myself that very first cup of coffee, and I hang out in the MBL community forum. It's my favorite way to start the day, and I'd love to see you there. If you'd like to learn more about Neverboard Learning, visit neverboardlearning.com. That's N-E-V-E-R-B-O-A-R-D-L-E-A-R-N-I-N-G dot com. And if you're not ready for a monthly commitment, but you're interested in getting your feet wet with game schooling, I invite you to sign up for our free seven-day game school kickstart, which you can find on mylittlepoppies.com, or enroll in our digital course, Game Schooling 101. I can't wait to show you the power that play can have on your homeschool and family life. I wish you a play-filled year, sisters. Chat soon. Bye for now.